Javon Wafer out of Cleveland, Texas, headed to Florida State. Wafer is a kid who really exploded over the summer at an AAU event. He went from being basically an unknown to one of the top 20 players in the country. They do look natural. They do look natural. Wow. Von Wafer. Von Wafer was the runner-up to LeBron James in the dunk competition. Oh! Von Wafer with the hammer! Von Wafer to the cop! Von Wafer! A throwback dunk! Wafer! Very impressive. He was not going to give the big man an opportunity to block that shot. Wafer! What's up, everybody? Not My House is in the house. This is your host, Eric, and as always, right next to me is my co-host, Zach. Zach, what's going on this morning, my friend? I'm excited. You know, this is one of my favorite players growing up, so I just can't wait to talk to him, learn a little bit more, and I know he's got a lot of positive energy to spread, so I'm just really happy to have him on. Absolutely. He's a former McDonald's All-American and Florida State alumni, and he went on to have a successful career in the NBA and overseas. We're honored to have him and learn more about him. Mr. Von Wafer, how are you doing today, sir? doing great thank you for having me um i'm just great i'm just happy to be here just happy to share this platform with you absolutely we love having you on we appreciate you taking the time with us today we want to get to know our guests before we dive into hoops so what can you tell us about where you're from and what was it like growing up there um i'm from a small town homer it's located in louisiana growing up there it was a unique experience um it's a small town in the south, um, located on the northern border of Louisiana. It's um, it's uh, approximately 20 miles from the Arkansas state border. Um, growing up there was unique because everyone knew me. Um, uh, it's just a small, tight knit community, and just like you can't you can't really do anything without anyone knowing. So you know, everyone knew each other. Everyone was pretty much related to one another, and it's a great experience. And I'm and I'm sure super humid too, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> super humid, laid back. So, uh, so you started at basketball at a young age. Um, can you tell our listeners when you uh, when you got into basketball? Um, I've been playing basketball ever since I was old enough to remember. Um, Playing basketball since a little kid, I used to um, take a sock, take 10 pairs of socks and roll them up into a basketball and shoot them into the um, laundry basket. That's I've been doing that. I was doing that from old, old enough to think. So I've been playing pretty much ever since I can remember, ever since I was conscious. That's awesome. Were you now? I know it's probably an interesting question. Um, were you playing other sports also, or was it basically like I know basketball my thing? Because you're talking about you know doing that when you where you barely can just remember when you first have your first memories. You're 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 remembering doing things like that. Was basketball just your game, or were you out playing baseball with your friends and football also? Um, that's a great question. Um, I was just you know I just had a lot of athletic ability and I enjoy sports so. Anything that involved running, jumping, you know, or using athleticism, I like to do, whether it be track, playing tennis, uh, playing baseball, playing football. I enjoyed all those things, soccer. But we just kind of gravitated towards football and basketball. I think I was more better at football and baseball than basketball, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I mean, you're a great athlete, so I could totally see both those sports being, you know, good for you also. But since you grew up playing basketball at such a young age and I always liked your game, I thought you're really great, like energy guy, great scorer. So who are some of the guys that you really studied and tried to emulate your game after? Like, who were some of your idols growing up? Um, of course, Michael Jordan, you know, um, and Kobe Bryant. Um Michael Jordan, I remember how he 
transcended the game. I didn't really understand what was happening. When you when you're there and you're going through it, you don't even understand what's happening. You remember the be like Mike, if I could be like Mike, all that. That I don't know if that had ever happened before, an athlete to do that, you know what I mean? To just take over and just become globally known. I don't know if that had ever happened to that point. So just watching that, I didn't even know what was taking taking place, but I always looked up to Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Those are two of my favorites. I tried to do the fadeaway. I tried to do the the the, the um, turnaround. I tried to even have my tongue out. I tried to do the come from the free throw line. I tried to do all those things. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've seen you pull off that fadeaway quite a few times. So I believe that for sure. And it's amazing how many people say Michael Jordan. It's like about ninety five percent of our guests, which says a lot. Um, yes. But I got to ask, what was the high school hoop scene like for you? Did you go up against any familiar names from your area? I mean, would you say that you were the top dog from your area? Um, my high school career was was different. It was unique. Um, no disrespect to where I come from, but the town is kind of small, you know, and all the towns around it are kind of small. So I was locally known, but not nationally recognized from about ninth to the 11th grade. So I kind of was the man in my area, but nowhere else. You know, I could go in this um, maybe 100-mile radius and everybody knew me. But if I went to Florida or went to another state, nobody knew who I was. So that's kind of how that played out. Yeah, well, then I'm curious – how did you really get discovered? I mean, was it through AAU? Was it the Nike or ABCD camp? Like, are those yeah. things that you really think helped you as a player as far as your development or maybe your confidence? Or what about, like, maybe those camps or AAU do you think really stands out about helping take your game to another level? Like, how, how would you say that you got recognized from coming from a small town? Um, to be honest, this is the story, you know, and the legend, I guess, or whatever, how I was discovered. Um, Demetrius Bell, who's Carl who's Malone's son, was um, trying to audition for an AAU program known as the Arkansas Wings. He goes to Summerfield, which is a crosstown rival of the high school I went to, which is Pineview. So we were playing Demetrius. We just happened to be playing Demetrius's team that night, but they were coming to look at him. And the AAU coach, God rest his soul, named Tim Lauren, Coach Lauren, he just happened to see me that night and the rest yeah. was history. Yeah. I mean, it earned you a spot on the McDonald's all American team. And I want to ask about that experience both on and off the court, because I think most fans don't understand that being a McDonald's yeah. all American it really goes way beyond basketball. So what can you tell us maybe about what that meant to you and what you learned from that experience and maybe some of the things that maybe most fans don't know about that. Uh, experience? I'm glad you asked me that because the experience for, to me was kind of, you know, I didn't, I didn't really even grasp what was happening. I really didn't, you know, take it in. I really didn't understand, you know, the magnitude of that, you know, um, it was just, it was just a blur, you know, it was just, I was just there to be honest, you know, I wasn't even conscious of what was going on around me. But now that I'm older and if I could tell a young kid going through that process, um, I hope they'll be willing to listen because the things I'm going to say, they're probably not going to, I don't know, I hope they can relate to it, but you know how it is when you're young and someone's trying to tell you something to prepare you for your future. It can be difficult. But if I was telling a young Von Wafer, I would tell him to build connections, you know, establish connections, connections with these guys in your class, establish connections with the executives, establish establish connections with anybody that's important down there. Just try to build connections to help you into the future. Try to learn from everyone. Just try to embrace the moment. Don't look at it as, you know, I know guys are gonna be competitive. They're gonna wanna do well in the game. But the more important thing is to build bridges, to build bridges to help you to your future. That's what I would would give. That's the advice I would give to myself and to any other youngster out there. I know that's maybe not the popular thing, 
they want to hear. They probably want to hear, go out there, kill them all, go for 20, go for 30. All that's nice, but it's more important to do those things. Yeah. And I mean, I love that answer. And I think that's an important answer because I truly believe like when things outside of basketball fall in place, like your family life or school, that's when basketball really starts to fall in place. I'm really glad that you shared that. And uh, I kind of want to ask a basketball related question because these are kind of fun ones because you finished second in the dunk contest to LeBron in that McDonald's yeah. American weekend. I mean, other guys like Shannon Brown, NDEB, and J.R. Giddens were also in that event. I'm just yeah. uh, curious what your thoughts were on that contest because I felt that you had the creativity over LeBron. He just jumped as high as he could and dunked it super hard. So um, <laughs> at the time, um, did you feel like maybe you had won that event or was was it just a different feeling when LeBron entered the gym? I'm, I'm not going to lie, man. I'm going to be honest. Um, I was kind of starstruck by LeBron. You know, I, I was I was trying to trying to trying to be competitive while being starstruck at the same time. So with the stuff he was doing, I never seen before. So I was in amazement. I never seen anybody jump that high before. So I wasn't thinking of it like that. I was just like, this is crazy. I never seen any, anybody do something like that. So I was starstruck, but like more so it was everybody else telling me that you should have won or, or that I, w I was just starstruck to be honest. But I tried, I guess my defense mechanism was to try to come at him and try to try to attack him. I wish I would have just tried to build a connection and a relationship with him because he's a tremendous talent. He's an unbelievable guy. He's, he did, he's just, I don't like to compare the two, but he's transcended the game as Michael did, which I idolize and I got a lot of respect for him. So that's how I was with that situation. I was starstruck more so than anything, to be honest. So to follow that up, what was it like playing against him? Like, did you have a feeling? Unreal. It, unreal. it was humbling. I wish I could have played against someone like that when I was young. It was, it was at that point in my, at that point in my career, I'm not going to lie to you. It, 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 it humbled me. It, it, I didn't know what to do. You know, I didn't know, I didn't understand the impact of working hard. I didn't understand the, the impact of, taking care of your body. I didn't understand the, the, the impact of being disciplined. I didn't understand how to be, how to be um, poised. I didn't understand how to be great. I didn't understand how to do those things, but he showed me, but I didn't understand what I was seeing. I was seeing greatness take place before me. It, it devastated me. I'm not even going to lie because the things he could do on the basketball court, I'd never seen before. Like, I had never seen it before. I never felt that much force. I never, never seen someone fade away and, and land out of bounds and, and make the shot nothing but net. I'd never seen it before. So it was very humbling. And it kind of knocked me, knocked me back a little bit. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because you were talking about earlier about being from a small town and then you're playing in that game. You, you know, right. the experience of all those people you're playing. Did you feel like playing in that game and being around that experience, did you feel like you you knew you could go to the next level and maybe even be NBA bound at that time? Did you feel like, all right, this is the push. Like now I know, like you talked about, you know, all the things that LeBron carried with him. Did you feel yeah. like, now I know I need to elevate my game more and I kind of know how to do that now. No, I, I, I felt broken. Okay. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand what adversity was. You know, if I could just talk to my younger self, I think it starts with the preparation when you're young. So you're able to handle those type of moments. You're able to know what to do. You've been there before. You know, I had never been in a situation like that before. And I think it rattled me. And I think um, my insecurity showed by my lack of confidence. I think it, 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 it did a lot to me internally that I understand today because I'm older and I can understand the psychology a little bit better of the mind and just understand the athletic, you know, what goes into the mentality of athletes. 
I just can understand what was happening, you know. It, but if I could give advice to young kids that are young, you, you, you start young as you can to put yourself, young as you can, put yourself in adverse situations so that when you get to a humbling experience, you know what you need to do. It won't, it won't rattle you. It won't, it won't take your confidence. You'll know that this is just a, this is, this is a part of the process. I just need to continue to get better. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna see those type of situations. You're gonna be humble, but how you react is what's going to define you. Nah, that's a great, it's great advice because you know everything that you're talking about too. The the one thing that you want to remember, you know, is that when we're playing ball in high school, we're playing ball, you know, in grammar school, it's like we're just kids, you know, right. what I mean? and it's right. so hard to think about that because. Like I remember watching LeBron when he played in high school, you know, on ESPN, just going, "Wow, this this kid's different." But I use the word "kid," you know what I mean? But like, he was definitely a man amongst children, a man amongst boys. Absolutely, but think about mental, mentally, physically, he had the whole package. Yeah, and 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 that's why he is where he is today. Even even like you know, we always talk about this with people on our show. You know, basketball and sports just in general, I think, prepares you for life if you're smart enough to understand that, you know, between working with other people like teammates and adversary, adversary, like you're talking about. There's a lot of things that it prepares you for. And I think it's really cool that you shared that with us with LeBron, because I'm always curious with people that played with him against him. Like, could you see that? Same thing with people that, you know, played with against Jordan that we've had on the show, like. Did you know right away? Like we had Matt Doherty on and, and he was on the championship team in North Carolina with Jordan. It was like, did you know? Like, did you know in practice, like this guy is going to be the greatest players of all time? You know what I mean? Um, no, I didn't understand what was happening, but I knew something was something wasn't normal with him. I knew yeah. I I was like, we we would do the drills and it would just it would it would be different. It's a different type of force. I played against a lot of people. I was going hard as I could, and it was just like I was just walking around. He was just doing everyone. I didn't understand how that would translate and how it would, how it would be seen as the day and what it would translate into, but he was, I definitely knew something was different. Sure. Now, I have a question. So, obviously, you pick yourself back up after that experience. You know, you get recruited and you end up playing for Florida State. Um, why Florida State, and was there a number two that was close? Um, I felt like Florida State was transitioning. I felt like they were in the turnaround phase to where we see them today. Excellent program. They've got they've got it on track. I wanted to go and help them, you know, begin that process of where I, I envision and where they are today, where I see them and where they are today. I wanted to begin the process of helping, you know, build a foundation to that. I wanted to be be one of the guys they remembered as helping get this thing started. What was and your oh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. As far as a close second, um, I can't really think of any. I'm just – I'm thankful I went to Florida State. I'm thankful I'm a Seminole and, and got to build um, – well, got to go to a very, very, very – Great program. Absolutely. What's uh, Give us your first impression and uh, your feelings on Coach Hamilton. Man, it's like I didn't understand what I had. You know, I didn't understand. I was dealing with so much internal, in, internally. I was dealing with so many other issues. I couldn't even understand who he was. I couldn't even understand what he had done. I couldn't understand what he was trying to do for me. Uh, I rebelled against him because he was making me uncomfortable. He was telling me the things I needed to hear. He was telling, telling me the things that if I had a son, I would trust in his hands, you know, because I know what he does. I know, I know how impactful he can be if you're open to receiving it. And now that I'm older, I just see, what he's done is, is I think he 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 has solidified himself am, amongst a select few and what he's able to accomplish. He's turned around. I mean, 
I'm not sure. I didn't really study the history of the Oklahoma State program when he went there, but he turned around Miami and he turned around Florida State. So he's turned around two programs. You know, that's not easy. Not many coaches can say that. Right. I think, you know, the really good ones, the really good coaches, I really think later on you realize how great they actually were. Right. Especially for you personally and and what they did for your development. Um, Was there a game or a moment that season that you knew you would leave school early for the NBA or what made you come to that conclusion that it's, it's now time to take my game to the next level? Um. Um, I think I wanted to go to the next level. I'm going to be honest. You know, I wasn't doing all the necessary things I needed to do. I think it was after the season because, you know, I was at odds with Coach Hamilton. I wasn't listening. and I was rebelling. And I think after the season, I was just like, I need to just go pro because in my mind, I felt like he was hindering me, but he was only trying to help me and telling me what I needed to hear. So after that second year, after the last game, I felt like I needed to go pro. It wasn't the best decision. It wasn't the right decision. It was a decision, an emotional decision. And if I could give advice to myself and to youngsters, do your due due diligence in making decisions like that. Do your research. You know, just think about it. Pray about it. Ask for advice. It's a tough decision. You know, know, we all want to go and make millions of dollars. We all want to get to that level, but you have to let it happen when it's time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, from everything that we've read, it looks like you had a lot of obstacles to really um, overcome and a lot of hurdles to overcome in that draft process, which I think is really impressive because a lot of experts thought that you might not even be drafted from what I was reading. So, what did you want to showcase specifically to these scouts to prove? Because, I mean, I think it's pretty impressive that you're not on the draft board and then all of a sudden you prove them wrong. So was there anything from those workouts that really stand out or come to mind that made you showcase your talents? Um, I think that I had top five potential, you know. So in my mind – I just wanted to show them that I deserve to be a lottery pick, but I didn't understand it's not that simple. But it, I, I wanted to show them that I was physically able, you know, to play on that on the next level. I just wanted to do the best I could physically. I wanted to show them my athleticism. I wanted to dunk everything. I wanted to just show them, you know, show them that I could just perform. But that's not all that goes into that. You know, it's a lot of things mentally that I that I overlooked. I was just looking at showing them physical attributes, but mentally I was deficient in a lot of areas. Yeah, and we hear that from a lot of guests. We hear like the interviewing process is pretty intense with some of the background questions that they ask, things like that. And um, yeah. a lot of young kids aren't aren't ready for that. It sounds like, but. I wanted to ask about draft night itself. I mean, that's got to be an emotional night, but I mean, did you throw a party or anything? Were you in New York? I mean, what was draft night like? No, I wasn't partying. I was just at my, um, at the house I grew up in, um, in Louisiana, in Homer, and I was watching it. I was laying on the, on the floor. I'll never forget that moment or the feeling of when um, my name was called, it was just a, something came over my body. I've never, other than, you know, I mean, holding my daughter for the first time, it's just, is an unexplainable feeling, a feeling of joy, just a feeling of calmness. I think that looking back on it, I think I got content. I felt like I had arrived, felt like I made it, so just to give advice to anybody else when they get their name called, this is when it, the work starts. This is when it's it's time to work. And you got to understand you, you're different now. You're going to have so many more distractions. You're going to have so many more people want to be a part of your life. That's the game you need to get ready for. You need to get hungry. This is time. It's time to work. But I had a, a, a relaxation. I felt like I arrived. I felt like I accomplished 
I, I felt like I had accomplished the ultimate and I couldn't accomplish it more. That's how I felt. Yeah. And, uh, Which wasn't probably the best best way to feel. But I mean, we hear mentally going into the NBA is a lot more important than, you know, being physically ready. It's all about the mental aspect from what we hear. But that first training camp, I'm sure, was quite the jump from college going to the NBA now. But what would you say was your welcome to the league moment? Yeah. And what I mean by that is who was really that first guy to really just burn you where you're thinking like, wow, I'm in the NBA. Like, this is different. Um. That never, that never, that never happened to me because I didn't understand what was happening, you know, before me, you know, I was just in my own head, you know, yeah. I was in my own head dealing with a lot of other things internally, but the first time I saw Kobe, I like got that feeling. It wasn't, it wasn't the same feeling that I had for LeBron, but I just knew something was different. Like something just wasn't, wasn't. He's different. You know what I'm saying? Like, you go through a practice, and we went to Hawaii. And, you know, when you're scrimmaging, you're doing your scrimmage, and you're doing that stuff. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. When we would do the competitive scrimmaging, he never missed. Like, he made him, he, I don't remember him missing a shot, and he was taking tough shots. I'm like, yeah, he's different. So I guess you can say that was my welcome to the NBA moment. But I didn't even understand what was happening. I was just starstruck. Like, I was just – I was – I'm sitting there. I'm – we going and playing. I'm supposed to be in help side. I'm coming. This guy, you know, I'm thinking he's coming, and he just fades. I'm like, that's I – don't, I don't know what to do with that. So I guess that could be it. It's a great answer, too, because earlier in, in the pod, you talked to us about how Kobe was one of the guys that you looked up to. So right. it had a surreal moment to, you know, to be on the on the court with him. Um, and, you know, talking about, you know, being a rookie in practice, having to guard him, you know, talking about what you just did. Uh, one of the questions I want to ask you real quick is um, tell our younger listeners what the biggest adjustment was for you as a player, both on and off the court. When, you know, your first season in the NBA, especially coming out of school early? Biggest adjustment is the lifestyle. I'm going to give them the raw and dirty. You just, it's best to stay out of the nightclubs. I know that's going to be hard for a lot of guys to do, but you're going to be getting treated like you've never been treated before. But some of these guys grew up with this attention, you know, so they know how to handle it. But that's the toughest part of the NBA. Like, the fun part is, you know, just going, for those who love to work, go work, go play the game of basketball. That's the easy part. But the hard part is just navigating through, you know, the outside distractions, the mental part of it. That's that's why they always say, you know, they always say is whatever, 80 percent mental and 20 percent physical 90 percent mental 20 or 10 percent physical that's what they mean um that's the hardest part of the nba is dealing with the notoriety the fame dealing with all the luxuries that come with being um an nba player you can get satisfied you can get you can get um the big head but if you can stay grounded and understand that this is just a stepping stone to get to where you need to be you need to do this, this, and that in order to be successful. You need to stay away from the clubs, stay away from the – you have hustlers trying to get you. You have, you know, women trying to entrap you. You, No, no disrespect to women, but they're just some women that prey on athletes. You have, you know, situations you may have to deal with with family. You have situations you have to deal with people who have ulterior motives. You have to deal with all of that stuff. And if you don't know how to handle it, it can it can it can mess up your performance and being able to do what you need to do physically in order to maintain your career and elevate it to the next level. Outside basketball is where the real problems like. Yeah, and I'm glad you shared you shared that. And was there maybe a veteran in that locker room, maybe that first or second year that really helped you understand that part? Like who would you credit for really kind of taking you under their wing and really showing you that side of the business? 
Um, that's a great question. Men, um, with that situation, that within itself can be a difficult situation. Um, but if I had to, I didn't listen. So I can't really pinpoint. I have to give it to Ray Allen because he's the one that got got through to me and where I started to make my transition into trying to be professional. But I was always looking at everybody as competitive, as competitors or we competing against one another. And that's true, you know, but you also have to be able to understand who's trying to help you. I didn't understand that early in my career. So no, I don't want to disrespect any of those guys that were trying to play. They were trying to give me help, but I wasn't receiving it. But the first person to get to me was Ray Allen. Get through to me was Ray Allen. I had to get at the Ray Allen. Yeah. Yeah. And we hear that, we hear that name a lot when it comes to, you know, work ethic or being a professional. So that's a name that we definitely hear a lot. And, yeah. uh, you know, the business, I want to give the youngsters the raw, real truth. You have to understand that this is no boys allowed. That's what they say. So you may be dealing with veterans that are there but you're coming to take this spot you have to understand that that's a part of it you know just you you'll be blessed if you get one of those veterans you know or a guy like lebron james who's already established and if you do the right things he'll make sure that you're taken care of you you have to you have to be able to understand when you see that those guys are rare you know who are comfortable about helping you take their spot because that's essentially what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we hear about some of the horror stories about the business of the NBA from some of the guests we've had. And I, th I think most fans don't really think about players having to move to a different city, you know, maybe yeah. putting your kids in a different school, finding a place to live, things like that. So, I mean, do you remember the first time that you were traded? I mean, how did you find out? Hopefully not through like Sports Center or anything like that, but also like what were what was kind of like the biggest struggle of being traded, you know, as far as your everyday lifestyle? Uh, I'm going to just be honest. When I was traded, I was kind of happy because I wasn't playing, but that's not a good thing. It, it could be a good thing or a bad thing to be traded. You know, I just – thought it would open up an opportunity for me to get more playing time. First time I got traded was when I played for Denver. I believe that's the only time I got traded. I got traded to Portland. I believe I found out when my agent called me, you know, he let me know that I was being traded. You know, I was wanting to get traded, you know, because I wanted to go to another team. But when I actually got traded, I was sad. So that was how I found out through my agent. That's how that situation played out. Yeah. And uh, some of the best basketball I felt that you played was at Houston. I watched a lot of those Houston games for sure. I really remember that team. And Yao Ming is a guy who I feel gets forgotten when we talk about great players and leaders. Um, this might sound like a strange question, but, I mean, very few guys get to play with a guy who's seven foot six and that skilled. Most yeah. guys that size are, you know, there to take up space. But does it make the game easier for a guy like you who's a scorer, uh, maybe a little bit of a slasher to play with somebody of that size, or does it kind of clog the middle for you? Like, did you have to adjust your game, or did it make the game a lot easier for you to play with a guy like like Yao? Um, I'm, first, I need to give Yao his due diligence also as being a great veteran. He he He's one of those quiet guys. I didn't – he's not – he's he just comes in and he leads by example. He's one of the hardest workers I've ever seen. I'll just say that first off. I learned – that's when I started to take, you know, working more serious is watching y'all. I learned more mentally from Ray, learned to work after from y'all. I got to give that to y'all. He was tremendous in showing me the right approach. He broke his foot and came in the next day and was doing conditioning on a hand bike. So that's just a testament to his work ethic. But playing with y'all was so easy. It was, it was, it was easy. Like, <laughs> it, it was just easy. Like I tell people all the time, playing in China was harder than playing in the NBA. Is it was easy for me in the NBA, you know, playing with a guy like Yao because I'm either wide open or the defender is closing out to me because they're rotating because they had to double to stop Yao. He 
he's a cornerstone. He he him just by himself can get a team to the playoffs because he demands so much attention and he can help others become better because he makes their job a lot easier. Is it was it was so easy playing with him. Like you're not you couldn't stop him. Like only you just had to hope he missed the shot. So playing with a great player like that definitely elevated my game by making things easier for me. So it was definitely easy playing with him. Yeah, and he seemed like a pretty underrated passing big man. It seemed like he could really see the floor pretty well, too. So I'm sure that really helped out a lot. And, I mean, you said it was harder in China, yet you averaged about 30. So, I mean, you made it look pretty easy. So I got to ask, I mean, what what clicked in China? Because, I mean, you said it it was more difficult. But what do you think clicked for you as a player? Because you're putting up some really great numbers. Um, I think in China I was given given the green light, you know. I may may have didn't even may have didn't even necessarily deserve it. You know, in the NBA you have to earn the right to get the green light. But um I think that why it was harder is because I was just seeing more, you know, it was just it was just I was seeing more defenses thrown at me, seeing more double teams, seeing more situations in which I had to figure out when in the NBA I'm just beating a closeout or just shooting wide open threes. So that's why I say it was difficult, but I think them giving me the green light is what why I was able to make it look easy, but it was it was difficult. I mean it, it was it was a challenge, I would say. I guess yeah. the work, the hard work paid off. Yeah. Absolutely. And I kind of have a more of a fun question. We ask all of our guests who played in another country and we always get some pretty crazy answers or fun answers sometimes, but um, we always hear about some of the crazy things that happen in another country, like whether it's the fans or playing in the actual game or just living in a different country. So I have to ask, what's the craziest experience that you had playing overseas in another country? Um, Oh, uh, that's a great question. I I don't think I really had any 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 crazy crazy experiences now that now that I'm older and I understand what crazy experiences are. I just think that it was just an experience just seeing different cultures and different uh, ways of life. I didn't even understand what was happening. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I didn't even understand that every place is different, you know, especially from how we run things in the United States and how they run things in China are different. Italy is different. So I think just experience the, a, a different culture for miles, the craziest experience I've experienced. You gotta, you've been living and understanding life in the world from this one view and then you get thrown into another I think that's a crazy. That's the craziest experience I I experienced. Oh, absolutely, yeah. especially like language barriers and things like. Right. That. Right. Yeah, and you know, you got to play some really great players overseas, like Sophocles Shortsianis comes up comes to mind, or Linus Kleiza, Marco yeah. Miller, Agni Patir. Uh, the list goes on. But who is that one guy overseas that everybody was talking about? Because obviously in the United States, you know, we have the LeBrons, the Anthony Davises, but like who is the guy overseas that everybody was really talking about? Um, The guy that was great overseas, um, that was great. Um, I'm not sure his first name, but I know his last name is Spanoulis. He's from Greece. Uh, seeing the guy, he's one of the most poised um, players I've ever seen. He would make big shots and big plays time and time again. Um, our point guard in Greece, Papa Lucas, he's a magician in the pick and roll. He, he's unbelievable. Um, there are a lot of great players overseas. I saw, um, man, it, there, there's, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of great players over there. Very team oriented, very fundamental too, right? Absolutely. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand that aspect of what they were doing in in the game, but I see why they're they're so successful because the everything is revolved around team. It's a culture. 
it's a it's it's a successful culture. It's what the great teams in the NBA implement. It's pretty much what they're doing in Europe. The uh, Phoenix Suns, how they, you know, they work through Booker, work through Paul, but they're all a cohesive unit. Everyone knows their role. Everyone's playing together. Everyone's playing for each other. That's pretty much how the European game is. Yeah, it seemed like watching the Spurs. I think they were like the first NBA. There you go. You know, there you go. implement Perfect. that. You know what I mean? Because, like, you know, when I, when I was growing up, it was always like, oh, Europeans are soft. You know, they're not going to be able to survive in the NBA, stuff like that. <laughs> and, you know, I don't, I, I mean, I think the Spurs had like, what, three guys on the roster that were American and they were, the rest of them were overseas I, players. And they're just amazing. Me and my uncle were having to talk about that. He was like, some of those guys come from worse off situations than. Guys that are in, I mean, in the, um, I, I don't know if the wrong word would, I mean, you know, poverty stricken communities or the lower income communities. He said a lot of those Europeans coming are coming from war, war torn situations. They're coming from worse situations than we are dealing with over here. He said that's why a lot of them are successful. And I'm like, you know, that's a great point. So I think that's the wrong assessment is to think that they're soft. I think that they're I think that they're sharp mentally and they're tough. Absolutely. You know? I was thinking about this. Like, think about you being in a country and then one day your country doesn't exist anymore and it's broken off into right. like 15 countries. You know what I mean? Right. Could you imagine if that happened in America? I mean, it, that would, you know, or like, you know, a lot of those guys like, you know, Vladi and Drazen, you know, they they were really good buddies. And then they weren't when their countries were at war with each other because they weren't. Right. Allowed, you know what I mean? So you make a great point. You and your uncle, great point on that. Um, we see we see you post a lot of videos, you know, and with inspiring words of encouragement on Instagram, which I think is a great thing, especially with how negative social media can be. Um, you're spreading a lot of positivity. And I wanted to know what your message that you're trying to send to your audience and your followers that you could send to our audience. Um, the message that I, I just give them the message that I'm, I'm going to send today is just, just try, you know, just be willing to be vulnerable. Like you guys are trying, you guys are trying, you know, that's, that's the first step to doing anything. A lot of people are caught up in the social media frenzy of trying to look cool, trying to look popular, you know, when a lot of that stuff is fabricated. So don't allow that to stop you from trying. If you want to try to do a podcast, do like you guys. You guys are trying. In a year from now, you guys will continue to grow if you stay consistent. Just, just try, continue to stay consistent, Continue to be willing to learn and don't feed into the extravaganza in the surface on social media. I, I'm guilty of it. I used to be depressed by looking at this guy like, man, my life's nothing like that. Don't even look at that. Just find out what it is you want to do. Create a plan and try and continue to learn how to try better. Don't look at, don't feed into the drama because a lot of that sells on here. A lot of the fighting, a lot of the destruction, you know, of our country, a lot of, a lot of divisiveness is going on. Don't pay any attention to that. Just try to build your brand. And if people laugh at you, just continue to try, continue to learn, continue to want to be better. That's great advice because I truly believe a lot of times with social media and profiles, you're not really getting what that person's like anyway. You're getting right. what you want to paint themselves as. And I think, you know, especially with mental health, we get to talk to some people about mental health. And it's like, I think sometimes social media like that actually really worsens people's mental health because they're not real and they don't show. Like, imagine somebody that, you know, is going through mental health issues and is open about it, you know, yeah. I can go, you know what? I feel that way too. Like, I'm not alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being like everything's great. Look at me. Here's a picture of me, 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 me. me. It's like we we got to get out of that mentality because to me it's just it's toxic in my opinion. That's something I'm learning how to do. That's when you see my post later. I'll post that my life isn't perfect. I don't want I don't want to come off that way because my life isn't perfect. You know, like 
I'm dealing with a lot of lot of those mental issues. It's, it's, it's difficult in this society and with this technology and how fast everything goes. It's, you can get a hold of the wrong information and it can set you back and that can trigger a lot of mental issues. Not knowing the right information to, um, not knowing the right information to, to receive, that can trigger a lot of that. But I'm in the process of working through that. So I understand why it happens. A lot of the, a lot of people are receiving incorrect information and it's not elevating them, it's setting them back. So do the best you can to receive the right information. I agree. I'm gonna I, I I get this quote that I heard the other day. I thought was really good. I actually wrote it down on my phone. I've been doing that a lot lately, and it was the dream is free, but the journey is not. And I think that's super important for people to understand that the journey is what gets you to your dream. And the journey ain't going to be a smooth road. There's going to be a lot of bumps and stuff like that. But that makes your journey. You know what I mean? That's right. Adversity is going to be a part of the journey. How you react is going to define your success. You're going to deal with adversity on the journey. It's going to be difficult, but it's going to make you better. if You can just take it in, learn from it and move forward. I, I agree completely. Hey, I want to do a quick lightning round with you. Zach's going to ask you the questions. This is a one or two word answer on some questions Zach has whipped up. Zach, you ready to ask questions, Yvonne? For sure. Yeah, we're just going to keep it fun. And uh, my first question to you is, did you have any weird superstitions that you or a teammate had that come to mind? Hmm. Um... I had to use the bathroom before every game. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, who, is, uh, who is your toughest cover? If you had to pick one guy, who is, who is your toughest cover? That's a tough question. Man. Yeah, lightning, er- lightning round's not easy. <laughs> Kobe. Kobe? Okay. Yeah. Uh, who's the funniest teammate that you've had? Kevin Garnett's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guy. I, yeah, he's, 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 he's pretty funny. <laughs> I love KG. Uh, I'm, I'm a big Celtics fan, so I'm glad you said that one. Nice, nice. Uh, best trash talker, would that also be KG, or is there another guy that comes to mind? Yeah, got to give it to KG. Okay. Uh, you played in a really interesting era of high school basketball. You know, the guys like NDEB, James Lang. And you also had the opportunity to play overseas. So is there one guy that comes to mind that maybe didn't make the NBA, but you felt was just really on a whole nother level? Like who would that guy be that you want to give, you know, your flowers to? My cousin, Mario Harris. Okay. Awesome. And uh, my final question to you is if you had, what's your favorite basketball memory? If you had to pick just one. Being drafted to the Los Angeles Lakers. Awesome. That's a great that that would be that would be my memory too if I was trying to <laughs> Lakers. <laughs> I didn't even understand I didn't understand what was happening, the tradition and what I had done, but now that I'm older, that's amazing accomplishment to be a Laker. Hey, can I ask you a quick question about that? Because we talked about that earlier and you said that you know you were watching on TV at your home. Did they call you before or was it just like your name just pops up and you're drafted? Now, my agent called me. <laughs> he told me they're going to pick you. And I just was like. So that's how I knew. Because the reason why I asked that is because when you said that, it brought me up to when we had Scott Pollard on the show. And the, it's my favorite draft story. He was with his brother in Vegas. And I was, it wasn't he on his honeymoon or something? And he was in a sports bar in the casino. <laughs> this is great. No, you're going to love this. And, uh, He's watching TV and he's watching the, he's just catching the draft a little bit and whatnot. And then uh, he's like, Oh, it's, you know, it's Jock. And they're showing highlights, but it was actually him that got drafted. And they got kicked out of, they got kicked out of the casino because this was back in the day when you couldn't use the cell phone in the casino. So he's on the sports book and they're freaking out because he got drafted and they're kicking him out. He's like, that's me on the TV. Like, (laughs) that's me. You're kicking me out. Like, that's me. I just got drafted. So that's how he, that's how he got drafted. It's my it's my favorite story so far about somebody being drafted. And that's why I asked that because you know you just said you just you know you basically just were on the couch and you found out. So 
I wanted to say thanks so much for your time. I mean, I really, really enjoyed everything that you talked to us about. Is there anything that you wanted to add or promote? Um, I'm just going to try to transition into, you know, trying to slowly um, build my way to what you guys are doing. Just try to have a podcast. We're just trying to provide mentorship and just giving, letting all the youngsters know what not to do in order to, you know, become a successful athlete. I think I know everything not to do. Just continue to just try to get better on presenting myself and just continue to elevate. So hopefully I can just, you know, continue to grow like you guys and continue to stay consistent. And that's what I'll be working on. I don't think that'll be a problem for you at all. Hey, Zach, is there anything you want to add uh, before we get out of here? Yeah, I just want to say thank you. You know, I always loved watching you play. Like I said, I was a big Celtics fan. I just loved what you brought to every single team that you went to as far as energy and professionalism. And it was just a joy to pick your brain a little bit today and learn about your journey. And I just love the message that you're getting, that you're giving to the youth coming up. I think it's really valuable. And I know that you're going to really change some lives once you start your podcast. I think there's a lot of people that are going to look up to you and take to heart what you're saying. So I just really appreciate you uh, for everything you're doing and for coming on today. Thank you very much, man. That's very encouraging and uplifting to hear. I really appreciate that. And I just want you guys, I want you guys to continue to do what you're doing, continue to elevate your brands and just continue to stay consistent. It takes a lot of effort to do what you guys are doing. I have a lot of respect for that. A lot of respect for you guys and the brand and the work you guys are putting in. It inspires me, man. So iron sharpens iron. And hopefully we continue to grow, continue to build a relationship, continue to stay connected and continue to get better together. We appreciate that very much. I mean, that's huge, huge compliment coming for you. Um, Vaughn, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for being so generous with your time. We appreciate you. Uh, stay safe out there, man. Have a great week. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You guys do the same. Be blessed. Absolutely. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. What a what a gracious guy. And I think the biggest thing that I took from that that interview today was he really hit home how important it is to listen when you're younger and yeah. all of the things that he learned. It's really funny. I you know, let's talk about this for a second. I think, you know, when you were younger, uh, let me just say me, I'm not gonna say you. When I was younger, probably the same stuff. And it's almost like a weird thing where it's like this rite of passage where you kind of have to learn your mistakes. Um but if you have somebody special that you can look up to that kind of steers you away from some of those mistakes that you don't really necessarily need to make, I think that's huge. And I don't think there's a lot of people out there that are taking that role to do that. So having having somebody like, you know, Vaughn who played in the NBA, played overseas, you know, like being able to reach out to younger, you know, athletes and be like, hey, look, here's the deal. I made it to the NBA. I did this you really don't want to do this. You really don't want to do that, you know, and, and try to put it in a way where they can look up to him. I think that's the key because it's hard to look up to a coach, you know, when you're younger, right? I mean, I know I didn't look up to my coaches and I can look back and go, man, I really should have listened to them more. But if a guy like, you know, like, so like my age, like a guy, and you're going to love this one, but like if a guy like Patrick Ewing came into the gym and he was like, you know, Hey, 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 little fella, you know, like, uh, you know, make sure you stay out of uh, stay out of the clubs and don't do stuff that you shouldn't be doing. You know, I mean, I wore 33 when I played basketball as a Ewing. I would be like, yes, Mr. Ewing, you know, and I think it would have an effect on me more. So having some of these athletes that have played the game, you should respect. And when they're telling you things like that, maybe it holds maybe it holds more to you. Yeah. And I mean, that's the whole reason that we do this is to have, you know, guests like like you know, Vaughn and, you know, other guests that we've had that are role models to young kids and just share their experiences because it's, I like the quote that you said, like the journey is not easy. Like you're going to have a lot of bumps in the roads. And I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I love that Vaughn touched on a lot of things that he wish wishes they would have listened more. Cause I feel like every athlete feels that to some degree, some more than others, but I mean, I definitely feel, I wish I listened to, you know, certain coaches or did, did things differently, but you know, the positivity that he's bringing, at least he's bringing awareness to that and he's teaching the, the youth coming up. And that's more valuable than anything that he could do on a basketball court is to really give back. And I love that he's doing that. And I just have the, all, the, all the respect in the world for that. I, I really do. 
Yeah, I, I agree, man. And, and we live in such a weird world right now that it's like, you know, talking about the social media stuff later on. It's like we all use it, but a lot of people abuse it. And there's a lot of painting of pictures that aren't really reality. And I think the, you know, getting the clicks for doing something stupid or getting the clicks for, you know, doing things that are not authentic to you is what gets people the clicks. But is that really a way to live? You know, I'd, I'd rather get the clicks for being who we are and, you know, for people respecting us as a podcast or just me in general or you in general than to do some dumb shit, you know, that really doesn't make a difference to get noticed. I don't I just don't understand that mentality. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like we talk about we're not into the hot takes, you know, like, yeah, maybe that gets us more clicks. Maybe that gets us more, you know, viewership. But, you know, I'd rather change more lives and get more clicks and viewership, to be honest. And that's why having guests on like Von Wafer who, who are doing that also or, you know, guests like Dino Raja that can really explain what it was like growing up in another country, you know, and going through what he did with the war going on and things like that. I mean, we're just here to learn, man. We're just here to learn and better the youth coming up because I mean, in some ways, like it, it's a little bit sour just in the social media era. And I'm, I'm just glad that we're, you know, kind of ch changing the direction. I don't, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of people out there doing, doing that. I agree, man. I, for me, it's all about listening as, as much as you give me crap about my Knicks. Like I, I, I defer to listen to you because you took your career farther than I did basketball wise. You coach, you know, a lot more than I do. So it's, I think we're in that that time where everybody's trying to puff their chest and like people are afraid of being wrong, which yeah. I think is kind of one of the things where it's like, how do you grow if you're not afraid to admit you're wrong? Like, how right. do you grow if you don't listen and listen to other people? And I think one of the great things about our podcast, at least for me, and I think I can speak for you too, is that every time we get done with a guest, we learn something new. Every yeah. There's not, there's not, there's not a podcast that we have done where I've been like, nah, I didn't learn anything. I mean, there's always something where you kind of go, wow, that's a great story or wow, you know what, that's a perspective I didn't think about. And I think if you allow yourself to step back a bit and not be so on the defensive of having to be right all the time and have your opinion be the, the opinion that's the one that matters, you can really better yourself as a person. And I do think that takes time. I mean, some people are just, you know, old souls at a young age, but I think experiences and adversity, like Vaughn talked about, adversity is huge. And I think that's something that, you know, like that quote I was saying, you know, the dream is free, you know, but uh, <laughs> it, it anybody can dream, but it's the work you put into it. You know, the road ahead is what, what gets you to that dream. And that's where, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people fail because they don't understand how hard it is or the adversity of it is and how to stick with it. And, you know, Vaughn's saying that with our pod, you know, keeps stick with it another year from now, you know, he's looking forward to seeing where we're at. And, you know, to be honest with you, if you guys listen, which you probably are listening, obviously, if you listen to our first couple episodes and go back to where we are now, man, we are definitely a different podcast. We've learned a lot from our guests and learned how to interview better, learn how to ask better questions. And, I think it's definitely paid off because I feel like the guests we're getting are stronger and, and we're learning more. And I think we're, you know, basically taking that information and translating it to you guys. I mean, it doesn't matter how many episodes or how many guests that we do or how many pods that we do, like we're never done learning. And that's the beauty of this because we're always going to get something new, something valuable and something that can, you know, hopefully change a life. I mean, like when we had Chris Heron, like there's very few guests that are like Chris Heron that we can have that can, change lives the way that he can and i mean that, that's every single guest they all bring something unique they all bring something valuable and that's why i love this and uh for me as a coach it's really important to me because i want to be able to be able to give my best to these kids you know i want to be able to give my best not just basketball wise beyond basketball and that's why this is important to me absolutely you know it's funny you talk about heron we'll leave i'll leave on this note um i was on vacation last week and uh I was hanging out with my aunt and uncle and my aunt was talking about Chris Heron and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, we interviewed him for our pod. And she's like, really? And I said, yeah. And the funny thing is too, is that that episode keeps climbing down. Oh, yeah. Pay attention. Like it, it keeps getting more downloads and downloads. There's definitely our biggest downloaded episode. So all of our viewers, listeners, thank you for helping us out. You know, getting to interview Chris was amazing. It was, it was definitely one of the, 
highlights of this pod, all these guys we get to interview. And it's because of you guys, really. It's because you guys spreading the word and sharing stuff, you know, with other people on social media or just word of mouth like that. You know, it, it takes two seconds to click a pod and listen. It takes two seconds to subscribe, you know, give us a rating and all that stuff. And it really does make a difference. So if you'd be so kind to do that, we'd appreciate it. Um, we're back in the charts in Canada and France again, which is amazing. And um, 17 countries. It's just phenomenal. I can't thank you guys enough. So thanks for spreading the word on that. Um, Zach, is there anything you want to add before we get out of here? Just a big thanks to Von Wafer. Um, I just, I, I really appreciate that guy. I really appreciate all the kindness and, and peace that he's spreading online. And I think we just need more people like that. And I just respect the hell out of him. So big thanks to him. Big thanks to our listeners. Big thanks to you, my friend. I'm just uh, happy to be here. Absolutely, man. Completely agree. I might, might see you on Friday. I might uh I might lace up the cleat and not the cleats lace up the uh lace up the basketball sneakers and sneak on out there if you guys are playing on Friday. Nice. I won't be there. I will be out of town. So ah, all right. Well, then I'm I'm gonna wait to make my comeback until you're back on the court. You go on, <laughs> on vacation again. You go on vacation more than anybody I know, by the way. It's basketball season, man. I'm hooping in Seattle next next few weekends. So. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, right on. So all right. Well, let me know when you're gonna play again, and I'll uh, I'll sneak on. <laughs> in the court for sure. It'd be nice to make my triumphant comeback, <laughs> hit, a, hit a corner three and try to try to try to hang. I'll create uh, a, I'll create an intro for you. And post it. <laughs> there you go. Oh my God. Anyway, folks, uh, thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. Be good to each other. Peace.